So Stella, I'm hoping you can help me understand better something that we're always, I think, thinking about and always dealing with, namely the problem of translation. Okay, and I know that you are yourself a translator of Chinese poetry into That's English. Nice. That's one reason I'm hoping for some insights from you, but, mm -hmm. but also because we're currently partners now in freshman seminar at the college and reading these wonderful books, starting with Homer, currently on Plato. And it seems to me, and we can talk about this uh, uh, shortly, that the problem is constantly coming up, mm -hmm. not only in the tran different translations yes. that we have in the classroom. Mm -hmm. and the students are often bringing up, now wait a minute, my translation says this, and then someone else walked up, mine says this. And whenever that comes up, sometimes I'm filled with dismay and thinking maybe it would be better if we just told them what the best translation is mm -hmm. and get it so we don't have to spend time on that moment that keeps recurring. What do you think? For a moment, I really thought you were going to say it would be best if we could simply tell them to go study ancient Greek <laughs> for four years. You got me on that. We do tell, well, not for four years. <laughs> Yeah. We, we, we do study ancient Greek, right? Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we all come in here, already know how to read ancient Greek, and then just read the original, and then get rid of the translations altogether? Mm -hmm. um, I have something I want to say about that, but please continue. Yeah. Why yeah. would that... But then the, the, it seems like the same question would arise all over, all again, right? Because yeah. when you are confronted with a passage a sentence, a word in the original, there is always the question of which is the best definition to use, how do we best put words together, what is the meaning of anything that is being written down, presented in front of us. So it seems like in that sense, um, the issue presented by the multiplicity of translations is by no means unique. It is actually a very specific version of a general problem that has to do with um, interpretation, communication, and um, just understanding in general. Okay, so if I understand you correctly, mm -hmm. this, I think this is where I was going to go even, that mm -hmm. having multiple translations in the classroom yes. is a kind of facsimile of one's own experience. If one had studied Greek for a number of years, you'd have to be doing what the multiple translations are doing, mm -hmm. saying, is it this word, or is it this word, or mm -hmm. is it this order of words, is it this sound? Mm -hmm. And all that would be running through your head. Mm -hmm. So we're, in a way, we're, we're inviting that into the classroom by having multiple translators. That seems right. Um, that seems right. But then maybe I am sympathetic a little bit to the idea that there is a best translation or several best translations that allow us to access the text in a better way. Mm -hmm. um, but then I ask myself this question, right? What are the, what are the factors uh, relevant here? What makes one translation better than, than another or the rest? So that's indeed one question. What mm -hmm. does make a translation better or best? Yeah. But also, I mean, it's what does one want out of reading a book in translation? You know, I had a, a very well-known professor in grad school mm 
was mm -hmm. a sociology professor mm -hmm. who uh, counseled his students mm -hmm. uh, that because the time is so short mm -hmm. you know, in our mortal lives, yes. that uh, uh, there's such a thing as a good enough translation for our purposes. Don't spend oh. your time on learning you know, German, for example. <laughs> Get a good enough translation. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, in a way kind of shocked me, but I do appreciate the sense that, you know, we have finite time mm -hmm. and a lot of things that we want to do mm -hmm. in freshman seminar, yeah. there's a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. And the translation questions are only one of those things. Mm -hmm. So how does one balance this? Yeah. So we got two things here. What's yeah. the best translation? Mm -hmm. Maybe the better question is, what is the best translation for our purposes? That is an interesting question. Um, we want some kind of access to the text. And I think minimally, we want that access to not be clouded. Um, there is a way in which perhaps translation can intrude, can put something over the original text that makes it less accessible. Um, but then sort of, uh, right, we've encountered translations in our class where uh, sort of parts of the original text is simply cut out um, mm -hmm. to yeah. conform to the meter, mm -hmm. uh, where it seems like very specific interpretation of the overall text was a, was reached in the first place, and that somehow informed the choices of the particular words in mm -hmm. a way that. Um, wore it down differently may have invited distinct tra uh, interpretations to coexist. So all of these different issues um, are there. Um, so that sounds like a particular kind of worrisome problem mm -hmm. where a translator has a kind of agenda that he or, he or she might not yeah. even be aware of. You know, they say this, say that about, right. about Jowett's translations of Plato, that they tend to Christianize Plato. Yes. Or more recently, mm -hmm. this has come up in our seminar, mm -hmm. you know, Emily Wilson's translation yeah. of the Odyssey mm -hmm. sounds, well, it, it does some daring things. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but that seemed to be informed by her particular mm -hmm. modern feminist ear. I think that's entirely right. Um, and as a translator myself, I feel, I feel torn. And maybe I'll tell you a little bit about why I am torn on this regard. Um, I am torn because I am sympathetic to all translators who are willing to take a stance, mm -hmm. who are willing to um, somehow come clean about the fact that while we translate, we also interpret. Mm -hmm. So this is true, not just of the daring translations that wear their identity as interpretations on the sleeve. This is very much true for the quote unquote literal translations mm -hmm. that seem to be word by word. But what allows them to, what permits them, what informs their decision to do translation as such, it must also be the existence of certain beliefs, certain convictions as to what kind of activity translation is, um, 
there what, must be an underlying interpretation as to what the text is trying to say that they think, oh, yeah. to put one word in front of another must be important to keep every single Greek word that there is and convert them into English is important. That's very interesting because it suggests that the translator, no matter how you know objective mm -hmm. uh, or literal minded yeah. he or she might be, that there are much deeper um, uh, commitments that are already there as to what a book is, what a text is, what is its truth. In that other seems words, right. It's truth that you're trying to get at. Yes. And those are very big questions that yeah. uh, yes. we should and talk when, about. Absolutely. And I think right when a translator is daring, at least I know she or he has those questions in mind. Uh, but then what am I doing when I'm reading a translation, not necessarily know it's a translation? Is it, um, is it actually allowing me a deeper access into the original? Or is it putting on a kind of disguise? Um, or is it a new creation? Yes. That should be approached on its own, uh, with, uh, you know, as its own yeah. work. So we can talk about Homer's, mm -hmm. uh, Lattimore's translation of Homer, or we can talk about Lattimore's Iliad and just deal with the latter. That seems right. That seems right. Yeah. But something bothers me about that. I'm not sure I should be bothered, but to personally treat, speaking, yeah. I want Homer. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. What is the duty of a translator? Um, what is this art, maybe? Well, when you translate Chinese mm -hmm. poetry into yes. English, you must have faced these questions. Absolutely. So what mm -hmm. is your duty as a translator? And how have you dealt with the problem? I mean, are there things in yeah. the Chinese poems you simply cannot get in English? Mm -hmm. how, much of, how much of that is there? I mean, you must think it's worthwhile because you do it. It's absolutely worthwhile. Um, one of the biggest challenges is that I often realize in the process of translating that I have absolutely no idea what a Chinese word means and absolutely no idea what a structure or sentence means, mm -hmm. right? It is by, um, it's in the process of translation where I would suddenly ask myself, actually, Stella, I'm not entirely sure if this word that I thought I understood is a noun or an adjective or a verb, right? It intuitively makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe that is um, um, an error of mine to um, assume a level of familiarity um, that, in fact, um, disguises lack of knowledge or disguises a kind of ignorance. And then translation turns out to be the perfect um, channel, the perfect avenue for me to really dig deeper into those ignorances. Into then, your own language. Absolutely. That sounds like one's own language mm -hmm. has to be translated by oneself as one encounters it. That is, do you think, mm -hmm. you know, for me, reading English is, yeah. or reading Shakespeare, mm -hmm. uh, requires translation. For you, Chinese, mm -hmm. requires translation mm -hmm. even before you get it into English. Seems right. Shakespeare's uh, English is certainly not how we speak now. 
So do you think the translation you encounter there has right? How much have it? How much of it has to do with the specific English, and how much of it has to do with? Well, I'll give you a very simple example. Absolutely, that happens to be what I'm working on currently. Uh, a speech everyone knows, even if they've never read it.、Mm-hmm. At least know the opening words. Yes. To be or not to be,、mm-hmm. that is the question. So I noticed after living with this kind of this this great utterance, sort of all my reading life. Yes. There is no question mark in the text.、Um. To be or not to be. Comma or colon,、mm-hmm. that is the question.、Mm-hmm. Now, and it struck me, well, why is that? What does that mean? I mean, he's saying that is the question, but、mm-hmm. there's no question mark. It makes me thinking. It makes me start thinking about well, what is a question anyway, for Hamlet,、um, and why is that the question? You know, it sounds like more like a statement or a conclusion、mm-hmm. that he's already reached after a long. Process of questioning,、mm-hmm. but it's introduced to us in the moment、mm-hmm. as a living question about to be worked through. But there's no question mark. So there are all sorts of, as you were saying, all sorts of these little things、mm-hmm. that you thought you knew, like、mm-hmm. what a question is and what the punctuation of of a sentence should、mm-hmm. be,、mm-hmm. and then you encounter it as if for the first time and start asking yourself,、yes. what is a question? Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's fascinating because I wonder what the experience is if I were to go to a performance of Hamlet. Now, if I hear the actor performing that soliloquy on stage, would this question of what the punctuation is strike me?、Um, But maybe that has to do with questions about whether the performance itself is a translation of the scripts.、Mm-hmm. Um, do you think translation and performance, as long、mm-hmm. as we're talking about this, it's great interest to me. I don't know if it's of equal interest to you.、Mm-hmm. Are are synonymous or, or inseparable? That is, to translate something requires、mm-hmm. one's performance of it, which is to say, one's. Becoming it. Ah,、uh, it seems right that, as we were talking about, what happens when we try to read a text, even in our mother tongue, it seems that there is a real process happening in time, where I come to confront.、Um, Ignorances or lack of understanding in myself, and then sort of experience a kind of conversion or transformation where a certain knowledge is gained. For me, maybe I come to understand a word that I thought I always knew turned out to not mean the same thing I thought it did. And for you, it was to realize that well, what you thought was a question mark was always in fact a period, right? So. So, I wonder what's the best way to characterize that experience. Well,、um, you just used two words、mm-hmm. that I'd like to highlight:、um, transformation and conversion. Yeah,、uh, that's very interesting. Experience is to say that I experience something, whereas transformation and conversion both 
um, despite their nuances, is something is being done to me. I'm undergoing whatever it is. Whatever it is that is, in, that is well, we could use our word, translation, <laughs> that is translating you or me into it. Oh. Is that? The idea, the text. I take on its shape? Yes, exactly. I'm the matter to be informed. Yeah, that's right. You're the hule. Yeah. Oh, gosh. To be informed by, <laughs> by, by the text. Or, you know, in yeah. my case, by the scripted language mm -hmm. that gives rise to a speaking embodied Hamlet. Mm -hmm. I mean, there it's in a way easier to see because we're dealing with a text that is a play mm -hmm. that's meant to be performed. You know, where an actor makes those lines come alive. Yes. And he has to become it. Yes. And I'm just trying to push this further. Mm -hmm. I don't know how far I can we can go with it, mm -hmm. but to make it include what you do when you translate Chinese, mm -hmm. or even what our students do mm -hmm. when they're reading Homer and reading him in yeah. translation. They've still got to somehow become it. There is an incredible amount of, um, not sure how to describe it, gap, distance to be overcome. Um, between? Between, between me and it. But now I'm hesitant to say what it is. I am more confident to describe um, I put it this way um, once I become informed by a work I am reading or trying to translate um, it and I is now a unity okay. and I feel much more comfortable pointing to it and say um, that is a complete me um, that contains a kernel of knowledge or a kernel of perception, um, understanding. The translation. The translation. Yeah. Um, but, but surely um, the very reason I have to be, that I must be translated is because there was a kind of foreignness or alienness of the form of the it mm, prior it. to the transformation. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm hesitant to name, to say what it is. I mean, ostensibly, it is a text. It is an object. Mm -hmm. But it seems more than that now. Maybe, yeah, I mean, it's a nice word. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. happy with that. But a platonic word for the it might be the other, as opposed yeah. to the me, which, you know, we might mm -hmm. call the same. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that because maybe, mm -hmm. maybe it, the very possibility of translation suggests that it's not really other. It's the same. It's a kind of unincorporated me out there. So that translation is an enlarging of my being. Um, yeah. So. I guess what we're, we've stumbled into is a question about who I am, potentially, who you are. 
seems right. Then what is happening right now, as you speak to me and I speak to you? Uh, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and where are these words coming from? Anyway, That's right. maybe That's a different right. kind of question, but it's it's part of it. I think the same mystery of of human speech and the fact that there are many of them, thousands yes. of them, yes. requiring translation. You know, what does that say about the speakers? Why are we seeking to perhaps speak to each other? If I, it's a thought experiment, if I understand you perfectly and you understand me perfectly already, then we wouldn't talk to each other, would we? There wouldn't be a need to speak to each other, to seek communication and understanding anymore. And risk the possibility of misunderstanding or, or you know, not That's bridging right. the, the gap between That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. As I externalize yeah. my, my language, obviously my speech stands in a certain relationship to the meaning, the thing I want to express. Right. If we already have perfect understanding with each other, then speech is merely an imperfect tool. Uh, and however good that tool is, it remains imperfect. We should do away with it altogether. Well, let me just, I want to pursue the question yeah. of perfection mm -hmm. in a moment, but it occurs to me to ask, yes. if, you, if I knew Chinese, yes. would you be able to say what you just said to me in Chinese better than you said it in English? That is, do you feel a gap mm -hmm. as a native Chinese speaker? English, yes. what is your second language? Second language, that's right. Do you feel a gap between what you have in you to say and your English tongue? At times, perhaps, At times, perhaps, um, I often feel, if we were to talk about a text, then I actually feel more comfortable talking in English about it. Uh, mainly, I suspect, because since I was 17, I've spent the majority of my time, which means I've spent the majority of my higher education um, and post-higher education in America. So in that sense, I've learned English together with talking about certain things in English as well. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to talking about myself, when it comes to talking about my experience and the kind of person I am, I think more often than not, I am still perhaps um, thinking in Chinese. Interesting. I have to retrieve um, that mother tongue in order to articulate myself. And perhaps I don't do that when I'm just by myself, because why would I need to? But whenever mm -hmm. I have to reach in there and then try to explain who I am and what I am thinking, and of course, maybe those are the same things. To you, for instance, um, Chinese seems to be what I reach for in thought. But then what happens when I have to marry the two of them, which is right now, there is, there is this constant conflict, as it seems. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a text as me, and I'm talking about me as a text. Mm -hmm. And then there's this clash between the two languages. Okay, so then maybe one way mm -hmm. not to, to 
get, uh, deal with the clash itself, mm -hmm. but to sort of sidestep it yes. altogether mm -hmm. and communicate on a level of perfection, as you were now, mm -hmm. you were calling it a moment ago, which avoids the, the gap mm -hmm. between self and other, yeah. which avoids translational problems mm -hmm. altogether, is to speak a, say, a universal language that's, that comes out of shared human reason. Mm -hmm. No difference between yours and mine, mm -hmm. reason as such namely mathematics. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that offers a kind of, maybe not 100%, but 90% of what we, what we might envision as a goal of perfect uh, communication mm -hmm. in which when we nod assent to one another, mm -hmm. there's no distraction and no discontinuities, no gaps. We have a kind of oneness of mind. Is is math the only thing? Mathematics, mm -hmm. perhaps geometry, you know, mm -hmm. a la Euclid. Is that perhaps the only time when we can have that experience? I've often wondered about this and yeah. I've, I've sort of tested it with students mm -hmm. in class to the limits that we have. And I know you're teaching um, Euclid now, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Has this come up? Yeah, to what extent can we uh, demonstrate, perhaps? So we would um, read Euclid's propositions at home and then come to class and then demonstrate the propositions to each other. And there is a variety of demonstrations possible. Some people would describe what they're doing as they draw the figures. Some people would write down every single step. Oh and then. <laughs> in, you mean in words? In words. Um, yeah. Some people use symbols, but then maybe it's a question but of what so the symbols do. What I was pushing towards is, yeah. yes, Euclid as a book is mm -hmm. very verbal. Mm -hmm. That's always kind of been a cause for That's wonder right. for me. Why is this so talky? That's right. So let's get rid of the words mm -hmm. and just let it command assent of our reason mm -hmm. with as few words as possible. Simply maybe. a diagram. Simply a diagram. So can we test that a Let's little bit? Let's do that, yes. Okay. This is Euclid demonstration 1-1. One, one. Shall we test if mathematics is indeed a perfect language, or maybe the perfect language? Or at least is pointing that way, a right. universal language that compels uh, mutually um, perfect assent between people, among people. That's a wonderful Without way. gaps of, of you know, cloudiness right. and misunderstanding. Right. So Euclid's um, book one, proposition one, um, the enunciation uh, is to construct an equilateral triangle. Mm -hmm. Now, I would like to try and demonstrate that, um, but I think I would need to ask two things from you first. So I need... I'm in a generous mood. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I would need to ask first permission that I can describe a circle with only two things, a center and a distance. Granted. I'll ask a second thing, which is that given two points, I can connect them with a straight line. Granted. Fantastic. We're off to a good start. 
Now, proposition one says, oh, maybe I didn't describe it perfectly. That's the limit of words.、Mm -hmm. It's not simply to construct an equilateral triangle; it's to construct an equilateral triangle on a given straight line. So, in this proposition, if I were given straight line AB, and generously,、um, Lewis has given me the capacity to describe with center A and distance AB. A circle around A、mm -hmm. with center B and distance BA, a circle around B.、Mm -hmm. I will find at their intersection a point C. Now, given two points A C. And given the second thing you granted me, which is to connect them, I can connect AC, and likewise connect BC. So it seems to me that it must be true that AC equals AB, since they are both radii of the same circle. AB. Also equals CB since they're radii of circle B. Given the equality between AC, AB, and BC, it must be true that I have constructed an equilateral triangle on the line AB. QED. QEF, QEF, QEF. Quote or not, public. QE, faciendum. 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 Thus it is made. That's right. Notice I didn't say anything. I was nodding、yeah. as you did that because that's what really interests me.、Mm -hmm. Can one do a demonstration in Euclid、um, without words, given things、yeah. you've previously agreed to, which you keep to a minimum? Mm -hmm. In our case, just two things,、mm -hmm. and it seems to me you can. Of course, I used the words just now, but yeah, you were using the words though. I didn't have to. Benefit of our audience.、Here. That's right,、yeah. but I didn't. I imagine I didn't have to speak as long as I have asked permission for those、mm -hmm. two things. So, so is math that, that kind of thing where?、Uh, Uh, I mean that kind of activity where maybe we need words to get started.、Mm -hmm. That we agree to certain definitions,、yes. powers, or postulates,、mm -hmm. and notions of equality.、Uh, and there, there's not that many of the latter、mm -hmm. two. You know, five postulates, five、mm -hmm. notions of equality in Euclid,、yeah. common notions,、mm -hmm. um, and a bunch of definitions. But on that、yes. basis、mm -hmm. of probably verbal communication, you could just. Go to the board and do this quietly, silently.、Mm -hmm. Look at people, make sure they nod every time you've done something,、mm -hmm. and not have to rely on words. That seems right. That seems right.、Um, then I wonder what's happening. I guess I have two questions, and the first is what's happening when I seek your nodding. 
at yeah. each turn. What is really going on there? What are you agreeing to?、Um, I don't think you're simply agreeing to. Now, if I arbitrarily draw nine, and I look at you, I imagine you wouldn't nod. No, why not? If I've previously granted you the power、yes. to arbitrarily、yes. draw a line, not just connect two points,、uh, this is a different thing. Fair, fair. That's so, fair.、Yeah. That's fair. So, so in this case,、um, say if I have a point A and the distance AB, and then I draw a circle. With AB as the distance around center A, and I look over at you,、um, and you nod. I nod. That means, to me, what that means is,、mm-hmm. I assent to that. I say yes. Yes. You have the power to do that. Yes. It's consistent with everything、mm-hmm. that's gone before. Yes. And there's no. I have no questions. I don't. Uh, uh, it's clear. Yeah. It belongs. What happens if you nodded? Um, and you thought you are agreeing to something, but you've in fact forgotten that you give me the permission to describe a circle with a center and a distance.、Um, I guess I'm wondering. This is what I'm wondering about.、Um, for me, is it right? For me, it's difficult to. Gauge exactly what is being communicated back to me when you nod.、Um, why is why is it complicated?、Um, why is it not sufficient that the nod is assent? It means simply. This is the beauty of it. it、mm-hmm. It's simple and clear. It means yes, without qualification. I imagine because I I think. The yes must come with qualification. Okay, is there something specific, say,、mm-hmm. in this demonstration,、yes. in this diagram,、mm-hmm. in any of the process you、mm-hmm. described, that would give you pause about my nodding yes, where you think there's room for confusion? That's a really helpful way of framing the question.、Um, I think yes, in two different places.、Um, Or in two different kinds of places. The first place is when I draw the circle,、um, and when you nod.、Um, I want that nod to mean yes, because you have given me permission to describe a circle in such a way. Now, what if you have forgotten that that is? What licenses my ability to describe the circle? Well, then I'm really concerned. Okay, so my my、um, position here requires good memory. Yes,、so、that seems right. So I've mem I've remembered everything I've previously agreed to.、Mm-hmm. Let's grant me that. Okay, let's grant let's grant us that.、Um, the second thing I'm worried about is、um, it seems to me that I have to appeal to the definition of a circle in Euclid. Uh, when I say that AC equals AB, so in Euclid, if I remember correctly, the circle is a figure、um, such that if I have a line starting at the center, falling onto the boundary, which would be the circumference, 
mm-hmm. any one of those lines would be equal right. to each other. That's how the circle as a figure is defined. Yes. But when I grant you the power to draw a circle, it's mm-hmm. understood that's what I'm going to get when you exercise mm-hmm. that power. A figure for who, in which all those mm-hmm. lines that we call radii mm-hmm. are equal. That, that's, that's understood. Yes. And that's what I am interested in, is what are we taking ourselves to be understanding there? Mm-hmm. It's, it's clear and transparent that neither of these circles which I drew are perfect. Mm-hmm. So they seem to stand in, at best, a relationship of representation to the circle I have just verbalized. Um, in yeah. terms of providing a definition, mm-hmm. right? But if we take ourselves to be invoking a circle in that defined ideal sense, then it's neither this circle nor this circle we're looking at. So we're doing something um, that is about entities that are not simply on the board. Uh, when we were just talking to each other. Bringing translation back into play. That seems right. Yeah. That seems right. There is yet another thing in the room. That, that imperfect circle is a kind of translation, an imperfect yes. translation yes. of what I've got in here. That seems right. I think we can maybe, if you'll let me take it one step further. Absolutely. Um, since you've raised the question now, I was, which I was hoping to I avoid. should be so generous to grant you that, <laughs> since you've that, granted me two things. Since we have imperfect circles there, one yeah. might need to talk about something that I was hoping we didn't, mm-hmm. we could avoid in oh, that. God. That point C, how do we know it exists? That's right. That That's is when right. you draw the, all you're doing is drawing two circles mm-hmm. around two centers, A and B, that mm-hmm. have the same radii. How do we know they, those circles, since they're going to be imperfect mm-hmm. when you draw them, will intersect like that mm-hmm. and see? That, that might require a question. That, that is, it's not something you can just do and then gesture towards and or maybe it is. Maybe you can. Maybe you could point mm-hmm. to the sea, look at me, and I can say yes. It must exist. Or do we have to talk about it? Oh, I think we have to talk about it because. So this is the thing. If I draw two circles um, that are positioned as such, um, sharing a radius and having as their center respectively the ends of the radius the ends of that distance no matter how many times i conduct this experiment of drawing two circles as such they will visibly to me cross but that's Mm -hmm. not really the purpose of proof or a demonstration here it seems i'm proving that um given any straight line, AB. And then if I draw circles as such, there is going to be, I, I need there to be such a point. Mm-hmm. And that claim of necessity is not um, readily, it does not follow from the mere repetition of experiments from visual yeah. data. Yeah, I agree. Something else is going on there Yeah, that has to do with our sense of space itself. 
and yeah, uh, you know, it brings us back into the realm. I think mm -hmm. of articulate speech, but still, I would want to say mm -hmm. that we've gone quite a long way in communicating um, something without mm -hmm. speech. Can't maybe can't go all the way. Can't start that way. We need to agree on what yes. a circle is, but. I don't know, maybe math is, do you think math is the only thing that is a universal? People sometimes have said that mm -hmm. about music. That's right. Too, which has got a lot in common with math. The one, three, five, three, one, yeah. one, three, five, eight, one. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think music is another possible language that is communicated universally, mm -hmm. doesn't need translation, uh, sort of sidesteps or avoids much of the problems of translation? I think so. Um, I was reminded by this experience when I went to chorus the other day. Mm -hmm. So this was the very first uh, freshman chorus of the semester. And Ms. Heinz, who is the uh, freshman chorus leader, asked us to all sing the same notes. And then she provided us with that notes. And then we all sang. And then quickly, we realized that we're not, in fact, all singing the same thing. Uh, we don't all have the same vocal range. But if I think when we hear very attentively and very carefully, in fact, we were singing at least three to four distinct notes that are all an octave from each other. So... So we have that natural capacity to fall into place, as it seems, uh, when it comes to singing. Yeah. Well, it makes me wonder, though, if, yeah. if people who have, say, perfect pitch, yes. they just have that gift, or people who have kind of perfect spatial intuitions mm -hmm. about what must be, Mm -hmm. The case, in this case, C must exist. Whether they um, mm -hmm. are what I'm really talking about, you know, the possibility of, of a form of communication in sound or in geometric image mm -hmm. that is not hindered by, by human, the imperfection of human discourse, human tongues, human ears, human eyes. Yeah. That is, if our instruments... Maybe you can imagine drawing a perfect circle yeah. with the right perfect compass. If our if our instruments were better, um, we would have better and better translations, or, or no need of them at all. We would have arrived. Oh, this is an. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Mm. Um, is there a living thing? Let's see if this is a good analogy. I think there can't be a living thing without the expression of life um, in the sense that, um, and this is the analogy I want to draw maybe, so just as there isn't a living thing without expressions of life, um, there, we, we can't isolate, it seems, um, perfect intuitions without seeing them embodied in their expressions. Um, so 
it's definitely true that some people have a better spatial intuition, and some people have perfect pitch or relative perfect pitch.、Um, when it comes to doing geometry, being mathematical, and then when it when it comes to making music, being musical, it seems to me. That we still need a form of externalization. We still need to、um, see these intuitions being put into action. Okay, so that that brings me back in a way to Hamlet,、mm-hmm. who I think generalizes the problem、mm-hmm. beautifully. That the imperative is not so much to present the naked reality. Mm-hmm. Of something, whatever action it might be,、mm-hmm. in this case a geometrical demonstration,、yeah. but it is to filter it through my own living being, so、mm-hmm. that it comes out in the form of an expression, which has me in it. So, but I wouldn't. Is that?、Mm-hmm. That's to say, what's important, say in Hamlet.、Mm-hmm. And we get this all the time because he stays on stage after other people leave、yes. and utter soliloquies.、Mm-hmm. This is his preferred mode,、mm-hmm. um, from the beginning almost to the end.、Mm-hmm. You know? And but that's to say that what what matters in what you've just seen,、mm-hmm. people in the audience, is what I am now going to give expression to through my utterance. But that's to put the value on the individual's、mm-hmm. consciousness turning into himself. The other, I mean, but that it would be a little strange to me to apply、mm-hmm. that to math and say what's important is that particular student making that demonstration her own、mm-hmm. in some, you know, unique way. Yeah. Ah.、Oh. So what do we want? Expressiveness,、That's... or、mm-hmm. do we want, you know, leave yourself out of it? Yeah. And just give me the thing itself. That's very interesting. I often ponder. I think a related question when I'm in my math tutorial,、um, seeing a demonstration in action, because I often encounter this phenomenon where a student, when asked to describe what he or she is trying to prove with an enunciation, can describe quite perfectly, quite well,、um, what the goal is, but. So in that sense, I want to say this person understands the truth that is being expressed by those words.、Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes, especially in Book One of Euclid, the diagrams compel you to believe in the truth of the enunciation.、Um, so there is a kind of understanding there、mm-hmm. um, that is separate from the understanding acquired. By going through the proof of the enunciation stepwise,、mm-hmm. uh, using deductive logic.、Mm-hmm. Now, that seems to relate to what you were saying just now. In this way, the externalization. Now, if I have perfect mathematical understanding, if I have immediate grasp of the truth of,、um, let's say.、Uh, Proposition four. If I have two triangles, 
the sides are equal. They're, they have two sides respectively equal to two sides, and the angle contained within that two sides respectively equal as well. The two triangles will be equal. I could hold on to that as an eminent truth. Um, yeah, and once but then to express it, of course, I have to express it stepwise yeah. to, to, to show why necessity compels me so. And those to be two distinct things. And I want to insist that the latter does have value in it too. But of course, that requires me externalizing into the other. Yeah, that, that's a tough proposition too, because it's, it's yes. an action of lifting and placing Applying. one triangle on top of another. That's right. Which is, you know... I think much mm -hmm. more problematic than what we have here. But yeah. if I might push this in another similar mm -hmm. direction, um, um, one of the things that drives me a little crazy sometimes mm -hmm. in class is students who speak out of habit without thinking of it, mm -hmm. the following phrase at the beginning of their comments, yes. I feel that blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. I feel that instead of I think that, mm -hmm. or I know that, mm -hmm. or I sense that, mm -hmm. but it's this language of feeling that is of, yes. which seems to me to belong to, I don't know, maybe poetry, maybe how you're responding to music, mm -hmm. something personal. Mm -hmm. um, uh, whereas, isn't the goal, say, in a platonic dialogue uh. to work away Mm -hmm. from feelings, anger, mm -hmm. shame, desire, mm -hmm. these things that arise out of people that are interfering with the argument. Mm -hmm. Just follow the argument and leave behind all those feelings. Isn't that the goal? And then that, yes. that in turn might sort of mitigate the problems of translation because we're moving back to human reason that we all would like to think we have in common. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. We have attachments to our ideas. So maybe that's a thing to um, work ourselves out of. So I say this because I sometimes wonder when students say, I feel this. Um, yeah, I feel that Achilles is a <laughs> I feel that Socrates is up to his usual you know, shenanigans. Yeah, that, oh, that's a you know, that, much more severe way yeah. of putting it. They have, they have all kinds of feelings and reactions right. to what they're reading. That's and right. They're pretty open about expressing them. Yeah. But I want to say sometimes, I don't care. Yeah. They're expressing, in addition to their ideas, their attachment, this is right, their, their, their sort of emotional relationship to that idea. Um, I, I'm very, I'm inclined very much to agree with you that what we want in the conversation um, is the direct engagement of idea to idea, between idea and idea, mm -hmm. so that we will come away having learned something, having shown ourselves to, um, well, let me rephrase that, having, um, if we had false opinions, we want to uh, 
as much as it can be corrected. And if we have something worthwhile to share,、um, it will be great for that to、um, right also be communicated.、Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think I think the attachment is is both natural. The attachment to to ideas. To the, ideas the, what、yeah. is what is really being expressed by the I feel this or I feel that.、Um, I wonder if so. First, that attachment is natural. Um, and second,、um, whether that is that attachment may be、um, the foundation, the reason as to why I could be the matter to be informed by a text. That if that is truly tethered, that transformation of the self would not happen anymore. Yeah. So we're back to. Uh, well, rather than try to minimize, mitigate,、mm-hmm. or avoid translation, we're back to it's an inescapable part of being human. That seems right. And so we need to learn how to do it, and that that embraces maybe some degree, maybe a lot、mm-hmm. of of keeping the the human attachments, yes, feelings, passions, yes. commitments, uh, uh, as part of the equation. There is an art to doing literary translation, but perhaps I think right what we're getting to is the idea that there is an art、um, in translating ourselves as well.、Mm-hmm. Yes. So let let me ask another sort of bigger、mm-hmm. perspective. Take try and take、yes. a bigger perspective on this. What's at stake? I yeah yeah go ahead. No, I think. We were just talking about、um, the worries, our worries concerning the expression I feel.、Mm-hmm. So, is this right? While it is the foundation to transformation, because it lays bare the existence of attachment, it is also very much a cause for worry. Worry for. Narcissism, solipsism, maybe.、Uh. Um, the worry that the attachment grows so strong and so overwhelming that communication ceases to be a possibility.、Okay. Then, what is the best way to combat that, except for translation?、Uh, so, is this what you're saying that? One should learn how to translate、mm-hmm. one's feelings into a language that other people can understand. That I mean, like this language, maybe, or at least in that direction, so that you're not alone in these unshared feelings. Because you know, I can't feel、yes. what you're feeling. Yes. I mean, I can think what you're thinking,、mm-hmm. like we did over here,、mm-hmm. but I can't feel what you're feeling unless you somehow make it. Available to me in speech that I can somehow, you know, understand. To somehow make it shareable, make it so that you could participate in it as well.、Mm-hmm. Um, that seems right. And of course, it's also an invitation for. Because what does it mean for you to participate in that shareable experience?、Uh, 
um, part of the effort is coming from me um, to externalize. But I imagine I'm asking just the same thing to be given by the interlocutor in this case, but reader perhaps for a uh, translated text on paper to to come out um, to to be somehow vulnerable and um, exposed and ready for a kind of transformation that I am performing myself as well. Mm-hmm. So you use the word vulnerable, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder mm-hmm. if what we're now getting at is an activity that requires a certain kind of courage because mm-hmm. for both sides, because yeah. the speaker has to find, has to make herself vulnerable. Um, but the listener has to be willing to cross over, as it were, cross the divide mm-hmm. and become the other, as we were saying earlier. I mean, that, you know, in the extreme case, that might require, you know, giving up yourself, a kind of dying, yeah. in other words, a kind of leaving self behind with the hope of returning, mm-hmm. you know, after the translation has been effectively done. But the, when you return, you might be different. A kind of odyssey. You, yeah, you might be very different from before you embarked on the effort of communication. That seems right. It's asking for a lot of courage and a tremendous amount of goodwill, as it seems, from both sides, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Goodwill meaning that the the goal is the good, in some sense? It seems right. Some higher good? It seems right. I'm thinking of um, Mino, Mm -hmm. which we've read just a couple weeks ago, uh, where constantly it seems like um, the pursuit, the incessant, and also in Gorgias, um, oftentimes the, the intense, unrelenting pursuit for knowledge is couched within conviction in friendship, mm-hmm. that this is for our benefit, mm-hmm. that we pursue um, a greater higher good that may turns out that may turn out to transform and oh. even consume us yeah. um, but makes us better sounds like you're saying the goal is yeah. friend the higher goal the good is friendship that or, seems or are you saying that's what you need to start with just to make it possible the act of communication across a divide oh dear I think the second thing is what I had in mind, but then I, I wonder. That makes the bar of true communication incredibly high, does it? That you that can that only we, really communicate with a friend. With a friend, yeah. yeah. Do you think that's true? Because it seems to me we have a real. I mean, how does one get to be friends anyway right. if not through prior communications? Yes. Unless you think that two people are just born 
friends. They're born like alike, already holding things in common. Yeah. So it can't be the holding things in common that make us friends. Is it the desire for something better? The desire to coming across, overcoming、um, the chasm between the other and the self. Yeah, I think the desire is there. Yeah, that's certainly prominent in、right. many of Plato's dialogues. Yes, that it, that learning、mm-hmm. together and becoming friends is rooted in desire, in eros, in、yeah. something erotic. Yes, and it's a, it's and the beautiful helps、mm-hmm. make that happen. You、mm-hmm. See something beautiful in someone, and you want it to be the basis of of immortality. Finally. As he says in the symposium, yes, yes, that is a more promising.、Uh, yeah, it reminds me, by the、yeah. way, this is uh, uh,、mm-hmm. from Paul's、uh, letter to the Hebrews,、mm-hmm. you know, in, in the Christian New Testament. He he refers back to Enoch、mm. from the book of Genesis,、right. who is famously, and the word Paul uses,、mm-hmm. translated by God、ah. into into God's sphere of existence. That is, he doesn't die; he's、yeah. just kind of lifted up and taken into.、Oh. He bypasses death and, and goes、yeah. to be with God because. Apparently, we don't know anything else about him. That's all it said. You know, he was friendly or walked with God,、mm-hmm. and God, in Paul's words,、mm-hmm. translates him. That is, or transforms him、yeah. into, you know, something deathless. Yeah. And so, when we're talking about, you know, what's at stake,、mm-hmm. you know, the higher things or the risky, the, what、mm-hmm. you're risking. I mean, that would be maybe the extreme. High thing, that the goal is, is that realm of, of communication and of being, real abandonment of、mm. an isolated、mm-hmm. self, as it seems. Yeah, I mean it's、yeah. a th- it's sort of a theological dream. You also、mm-hmm. get it in, say, in the Feast of Pentecost,、mm-hmm. or in the tradition that's been passed down from them of speaking in tongues,、mm-hmm. where the the barriers between people is、yeah. overcome by the power of the Spirit.、Mm-hmm. Or God's love, or God's、mm-hmm. grace, and suddenly you're transparent to each other, no matter what you're speaking.、Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I'm reminded of right the story of the Tower of Babel.、Uh, well, that would be another one. Yeah, the be, sort of reverse of of yeah, that. But、um, there was there was, so there was a time, say in, in、yeah. the deep past,、mm-hmm. in which everyone was speaking the same tongue. Mm-hmm. Understood each other, and it gave rise to this quest to build a tower into the heavens, yes. Yes. to be like God,、yes. to be invulnerable to floods, <laughs> you know. And God put a stop to that, but it, it's tapping into something、mm-hmm. uh, that human beings want, maybe once had. Yeah. You know, that degree of transparency, of unity, oneness,、mm-hmm. and. Reaching for the divine. I imagine if we were such a people, we wouldn't feel the need to discourse with each other and to 
right anymore. Is it so because I'm reminded of、um, an earlier、um, suggestion、um, we made, namely that if you and I were to be able to understand each other perfectly, we wouldn't feel the need to really speak anymore. Now, if we really have a people who、um, partake in this perfect language. Um, in perfect、um, understanding, or not understanding of the things, but understanding of each other,、um, then my question is really what what comes out of it.、Mm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I wasn't. I mean, that's a, in a way a problem. Is perfect transparency mean、mm-hmm. you don't need to speak anymore, or does it mean that? Your speech is another person's speech as well. That it's it's a perfect mutual、yeah. intelligibility of of tongues and of ears. Yes. Because I was in this part of our、mm-hmm. discussion thinking the latter. You know, it's more like、yeah. the speech you get of God in Genesis,、mm-hmm. where. The very utterance、mm-hmm. of the words is identical to the performance of the deed. You know, let there be light, and there was light.、Mm-hmm. They sort of happened together, so that、uh, that the words are are the very things that they are calling into being, and there's no gap there.、Uh, that kind of that kind of speech. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think? And I, one more、yeah. thing, I yes, yes, yes. So when human beings are said to be made in the image of God、mm-hmm. in Genesis,、mm-hmm. I, I mean, one interpretation of、yes. that is that the image means、uh, ideally that kind of speech. So、uh, when Adam names、mm-hmm. all of the creatures,、mm-hmm. those are not just words; those are the real names of those objects. I see. You know, and there's no. Possibility they could have been named differently. I see. That kind of speech. That's fascinating. So, so now, the being made in the image of God. That's certainly not translation anymore. Or the let there be light.、Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not translation. Right. That's identity, as it sounds like. We're picking an aspect of the same thing.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's word and deed, or word and object. That's right. One. So,、mm-hmm. yeah, one doesn't need translate. But we got to there by as as a kind of goal. Is、um, that is that desirable? Maybe is is a way of yeah. It's kind of question.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the what's at stake question. Yes. And I guess、yeah. the other thing we were saying that was at stake is、mm-hmm. avoiding or escaping、mm-hmm. the the loneliness of being stuck inside one's own skin、mm-hmm. and being other from everything else.、Mm-hmm. So it seems right that the、uh, complete opposite of、uh, solipsism would be perfect participation in.、Um, Let's say the one, or the beautiful.、Mm-hmm. 
there is, on the other hand, and maybe this speaks to my attachment to myself, despite a desire to coming out of it, to come out of it, right? Pulling the opposite direction. Um, this desire to hold on to um, to a multiplicity of thoughts yes. to be playing with their distinctions mm -hmm. to translate uh, and generate more distinctions and more translation absolutely well that's the complete other way of going at it mm -hmm. that, that isn't it wonderful that there are so many languages so many things in the world so many things to translate and yes. so many differences to try and bridge so i was just thinking that look i don't know anything about chinese mm -hmm. only what it looks like mm -hmm. and it looks as different from english script as i can imagine mm -hmm. and yet you and i you're chinese i'm american Yes. English speaker. We've just had this, this hour-long conversation, mm -hmm. uh, which has felt very natural to me, even though the characters of your language and those of mine mm -hmm. don't seem to speak to each other at all. Absolutely. How is that possible? I mean, does that mean that you know, we share in some common humanity that is more powerful than these linguistic differences that are not really essential? Or mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? A language of the mind, of the soul. Not sure, but I'm equally amazed. Yeah, it is. It it, it is amazing. Yeah. Um, well, perhaps on that note, we should pause and do some more Euclid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Estella. Yeah. Thank you very much, Louis. Continuing the Conversation is a 20-episode web and podcast series produced by the St. John's College Communications Office in partnership with 12FPS and Awarehouse Productions. To continue the conversation with St. John's College, which offers a bachelor's degree in liberal arts, in-person and online master's degrees in liberal arts and Eastern classics, as well as summer academy for high school students and summer classics for lifelong learners, go to sjc.edu.